Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. More pressure on governments to fix Canada's health care crisis. Doug Ford's approval rating is among the lowest in Canada. Canadians continue to feel the pinch, looking to make a big splash this Christmas. What were the top Google search trends of 2022? And we'll tell you about Oh Christmas Tea. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. People receiving care in the hall. And the waiting room is just packed. It's it's chaos. We actually made a comment to one of the nurses. We asked her, so what happens if another urgent case comes in? Because all of the resuscitation rooms were full and everything else was full. And she kind of laughed and she said, I have no idea. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with you. Those are the voices of Matthew and Alicia Peary, whose two-year-old son Cohen was recently rushed to Matt Kids Hospital. But had to be transferred to Joe Brand Hospital in Burlington for treatment because of capacity issues at Mac Kids. That sets the stage for our next conversation, and it's about our national health care crisis. And the Ontario Medical Association has joined every medical association across the country in calling on the federal government and all provincial governments to take immediate action. In a letter to the Prime Minister and all premiers, the organization say, quote, On behalf of Canada's doctors, we respectfully urge First Ministers to advance meaningful action for the patients of Canada. The gaps in our health care system are growing wider with every day that passes without the necessary political leadership to address the growing crisis. Dr. Rose Zacharias is the president of the Ontario Medical Association and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Dr. Zacharias, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Thank you. It's good to be here. Where is your level of concern with this national health care crisis? We are gravely concerned. As Ontario's physicians, we have joined with the physicians across Canada to call upon the federal government to increase provincial health care spending. We know that we need a significant investment now. The pandemic uh, widened the gaps in the healthcare system that were pre-existing, but now are really deep, deep chasms. And our patients that we care for are falling through those gaps, and we need we need to do something about it right away. There's one sentence in the letter that is written in bold font, and for our listeners, it reads. It's clear that both increased funding and new investments are needed. Now, here in Ontario, the Ford government says it is investing uh, more than $4.5 million to remove financial barriers for nurses wanting to upskill to work in critical care areas of hospitals. Is that a good start? Is that a good foundation? So every, every action towards the doctor and nursing shortage is a good step to take. Indeed, I've worked in the emergency department for 20 years, and I never thought we would see the day that emergency departments would close. But this is happening because we don't have enough staff to, uh, to work on an overnight shift or over a weekend or, uh, or midweek, and it's happening all across Ontario especially in the rural and northern areas of Ontario, but we're feeling it in our cities too. And so we do have an implementable solution. Uh, We want to see more foreign-trained physicians who are here in Ontario right now licensed to practice medicine. Of course, they have to go through a regulation process, but we're talking about practice-ready assessments that could be uh, supervised over the course of three months. And, And if that was implemented, we could see hundreds of doctors in the system by the spring. And with more doctors and more nurses, we could care for more patients. 
Province also investing um, more than $9 million to support accelerated critical care nursing at Mohawk College here in Hamilton, other colleges across the province. I guess the problem is, you know, that's great, but those uh, people are going to take time to get into the system. Absolutely. I mean, we need immediate solutions and we need some long-term solutions. We need to build a healthcare system for the future, of course. And so we welcome the announcements around more medical schools opening, more medical student spots, more opportunities for residents to train as family doctors and also as specialists. We know that nearly 2 million people in Ontario don't have a family doctor. And so people are accessing uh, walk-in clinics and and the emergency department, and we want everyone to have a family doctor. And so we need to look at the solutions that would make a difference right now, such as those practice-ready assessments to get the internationally trained physicians that are here and want to work, but need to have a scrutinized you know, uh, period of time to see that those skills are indeed uh, available in order for them to enter the healthcare system. And we need more nurses. We know that. We're feeling it in the hospitals. And we need to act on act on these solutions right now. We have a couple more minutes with Dr. Rose Zacharias, president of the Ontario Medical Association. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. The OMA not too long ago released a five-point plan to make the system better. One of it was reducing the backlog of services and reduce wait times. Fraser Institute uh, issued a study yesterday that showed healthcare wait times in Ontario are going the wrong way. They were 18% last year, jumping to 20% or, or 20 weeks, pardon me, this year. That's not good. That's not a good number. So over the course of COVID, uh, while we were dealing with the crisis of the pandemic, you know, it really was no one's fault that we um, were dealing with a, uh, with a global pandemic. There were many elective surgeries and procedures that were put on a shelf and had been waiting all the while. Now, although they're elective, they are so important to be done. We're talking about knee replacements, hip replacements, cataract and hernia surgeries. And, uh, and so we need to catch up even some cancer screenings that were delayed. And so we are um, recommending a very practical solution, which is the creation of integrated ambulatory centers. So these would be integrated with the hospital. And these would be surgical centers that could catch up on the backlog, publicly funded. No one pays extra money out of their back pocket to jump the queue and get their surgery or procedure done first. But this is the sort of innovative, creative thinking that we need to implement. And there are provinces across Canada that have these centers up and running. So we need to do that here in Ontario. Absolutely. Dr. Zacharias, thank you for your time this morning and enjoy your day. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That is Dr. Rose Zacharias, the president of the Ontario Medical Association. Some of the other suggestions that the OMA is making, uh, apart from increased funding, which is obviously definitely needed, federal health transfer payments have to be way higher, not only for this province, but every other province. I mean, we're still in a pandemic and really nothing to a great degree has been done from the federal level. OMA also calling for improved and expanded home care. And other community care, that absolutely makes sense. And expanding mental health and addictions programs in the community, that there has many benefits as well. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Unequivocally, we won't touch the green belt. Uh, unlike other governments that don't listen to people, I've heard it loud and clear. People don't want me touching the green belt. We won't touch the green belt. We'll figure out uh, how to clean up this housing mess and this housing crisis that we're facing in a different fashion. But all my friends, 
I listen to you. You don't want me touching the green belt. We won't touch the green belt. Right. Premier Doug Ford here in Ontario enjoying uh, all the power in the world to make those kind of decisions to cut up the green belt when he initially said he wasn't going to do so to improve the housing stock in this province. It's a very controversial decision, one of many uh, hot-button topics that the premiers had to stick-handle around. And so it should be no surprise that a new poll from Angus Reid indicates that Ontario's premier is near the bottom of the list when it comes to approval rating among his peers across the country. Canada's premiers have been ranked on their approval rating. Doug Ford nearly last. What do we make of this? Well, let's ask Kim Wright, principal and founder, Wright Strategies, who joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Kim, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. The Ford government won an overwhelming majority in the last election, but his approval rating is now in the tank. Among Canada's uh, premiers, he is third from the bottom, 34% approval rating. How? What's happened here? Well, this is not dissimilar to in the first term. He did so many things, so massive fundamental changes so quickly that were not, frankly, asked for by anyone. Um, and that he took those those majority governments he had out for a spin, and the public starts to push back on this. We saw this, as I said, the first term, and you might remember there was the Raptor celebration after they won the championship, and, and the Premier stood up at this big celebration, and he got booed. And the next day, he changed his cabinet, he fired his chief of staff, all of that sort of thing, because the pushback was getting so great. Then the pandemic happened, so people sort of forgot that they were really mad at him. Then, you know, we had the election, he got reelected, he got more seats for various and sundry reasons, including, I would argue, that the opposition leaders didn't really present any sort of major alternative. And then, so the premier was like, well, I was reelected by the people, I can do what I want. But the people didn't ask for constitutional not, use of notwithstanding clause to legislate workers back to work. They did not vote and say, we want to uh, change, uh, change some of the environmental policies. We, don't want, we didn't vote for giving stronger mayor powers to the mayor of Toronto and Ottawa and probably a few others by the time we're done with it. They are the, the the electorate is quite worried about the pace of change, the type of change, and why the changes are happening. They recognize we need to build housing. How we build it is the question. And so you're going to see his numbers continue to drop unless he has a better uh, communication strategy as to why he is actually doing this. And so the the legislative whiplash we've all been getting. Um, from from Queen's Park over the last couple of months is, is quite staggering. And I don't think we're in any uh, any, any uh, slowdown mode from the Premier anytime soon. So we'll, we'll see how that unfolds. But those are the fundamental reasons as to why his, his approval ratings are so low. Massive pace of change, no communication strategy as to why, and no real benefit for Ontarians as to why it's been happening. Their, their health care system is still crumbling. Their loved ones are still having trouble getting into long-term care. And this is not going to change over the winter months by any stretch of the imagination. Another premier uh, towards the bottom of the list is Alberta's Daniel Smith, still ahead of Ford at 42%. Uh, but obviously, Albertans are not uh, in lockstep with their controversial Alberta Sovereignty Act. So not off to a good start for someone who wasn't 
uh, voted into the position by the electorate. No, and, you know, there is the difference of what you do to win a, a party leadership versus what you do when you are the government. And, you know, running on a platform of this Sovereignty Act certainly was red meat to Daniel Smith's base, raised her a ton of money, got her a bunch of uh, signups of memberships. But it's not what we expect a premier to come forward with. And the more that we start to see sovereignty acts, uh, people trying to uh, get the same sorts of uh, perceived or real powers that that Quebec has been given over the years, the more we, the more that people start to go, what's happening with with the federation? What's happening with our provinces? What's happening with the roles of our provincial and federal leaders um, across the country? And Unfortunately, people are starting to get quite worried about what does this mean for the institution of Canada. And we're going to have to have, I hate to say it, a grown-up conversation about what are we actually doing here? How do these work? Because the ongoing use of notwithstanding clauses for things that it was never designed to be contemplated to use is really quite frightening to Canadians because it does mean some of their fundamental rights are being stripped away from them. We'll have to leave it there, Kim, as we are out of time. I appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us, and have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you so much for having me. Kim Wright, Principal and Founder Wright Strategies. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Latest Bank of Canada rate hike this week. Its seventh increase in a row brought the central bank's key lending rate to four and a quarter percentage uh, points. Uh, that, that is the highest figure since 2008. So... Basically, it means if you owe money through a variable rate mortgage or a line of credit, you have felt the pinch time and time and time again this year. And more painful hikes. Are they on the way or are we at the top of this hill? Let's dive into it with Clay Jarvis, mortgage and real estate expert with Nerd Wallet Canada. Clay, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. Good morning, everybody. Did you expect an increase of 25 or 50 basis points from the central bank? Because those two numbers were being floated around. Where were you sitting at? Uh, definitely. Uh, inflation, the most recent inflation number we had was 6.9% in October, which is still more than three times what the Bank of Canada wants to see. Uh, they'd like to see inflation around 2%. So there is really no way that they can take their, their foot off the, the gas with rate increases just yet. What impact is this going to have on the average homeowner, uh, especially obviously those with the variable rate mortgage? Yeah, well, homeowners with a variable mortgage are going to see more of their monthly payment go toward interest and less towards principal. So chances are their mortgage payments will stay the same, uh, depending on what kind of mortgage they're in. But the amount that they're paying down on their principal is going to decrease. So are we at the summit of these increases or are we expecting the central bank to do more in 2023? Uh, well, that's going to depend on the, the direction inflation takes. Um, people are expecting maybe another 0.25% increase in January, maybe another one in March. Uh, but it's really going to depend on what happens with inflation in the coming weeks. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Clay Jarvis, mortgage and real estate expert with Nerd Wallet Canada. You can check him out online, nerdwallet.com. For homeowners who do have that variable rate mortgage, as I said, they've been feeling some pain this year. Should they lock in now or wait a little bit and maybe hope that that rate goes down next year? Um, I would not hold my breath waiting for interest rates to fall significantly next year. Um, inflation, when it's as high as it is, 
can take a year, two years to unwind. Um, so rates are expected to stay high next year. Um, what I would almost recommend, uh, especially for new homeowners or new home buyers, is taking a look at a shorter term fixed rate mortgage, uh, maybe say two to three years, um, which might allow you to renew at a lower rate once your term expires if those rates are coming down, say 2024. Um, and going that short-term fixed rate route, it also means you won't have to worry about your mortgage costs increasing with the next couple of overnight rate hikes, which we discussed, you know, could be coming in January and March. So why is that two to three year time frame good for new home buyers? Well, I'd say it's going to give you a chance to renew at a lower rate. Um, if you locked in at a five or five and a half percent mortgage today for say five years, very popular term, mm -hmm. you know, if rates come down two years from now and you're paying that extra money for another three years, that could cost you thousands of dollars that you might not have to pay if you go with a shorter term mortgage. Clay Jarvis is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Clay is a mortgage and real estate expert with Nerd Wallet Canada. Check them out, nerdwallet.com. Some people, as we know, bought homes earlier this year when the market was red hot and those home prices were being pushed higher than ever before. With interest rates where they are now, should we expect a minor or maybe even a major sell-off from people who can no longer afford their mortgage payments? Um, I would not expect a major sell-off. Um, homeownership is just too important to people. I think a lot of people realized that they were getting into the market when it was hot and hopefully they were getting help from realtors or mortgage experts that told them this is not going to last and you might have some pain coming up. So I would hope that homeowners are prepared. There are always options. You know, I, I think lenders, they don't want you to sell your house. They want you paying your interest over those, you know, five years, 10 years, 25 years. So they are usually pretty flexible in helping you maybe extend your amortization, work with your mortgage terms. Lenders don't want to see you sell. Um, they want you to pay off your mortgage over your term. So if anybody's really having trouble making their payments, they need to reach out to their lender, their mortgage broker, whoever helped them get into their home loan sooner rather than later, because more often than not, there will be options for you to look into. We also know that the stress test is still a thing. And for those home buyers who have to deal with it, could B lenders become a good option for them? Uh, I'd say so. Uh, you know, B lenders sometimes offer more flexibility uh, or in some cases lower rates than banks, but they still adhere to most federal lending regulations. So you'll still have to pass a mortgage stress test using a B lender. Um, but it's important to make a distinction here between B lenders and private lenders. So B lenders operate similar to and try to compete with Canada's largest banks. So a mortgage from a B lender will likely be similar to what you'd get from, say, RBC. Now, private lenders are different. They are not regulated. And because they are more of a last resort for most buyers, they charge much higher interest. And they often charge you fees you wouldn't normally pay at a more mainstream lender. So mortgages from private lenders also tend to be quite short, which can put borrowers in an awkward position if they aren't able to pay their loan off on time. Great information. Hopefully that will help home buyers, home seekers, those with variable rate mortgages especially, get ahead of their game financially. Clay, thanks for the time today. Yeah, thanks. Have a great day, everybody. Clay Jarvis, mortgage and real estate expert with Nerd Wallet Canada. Check him out, nerdwallet.com. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. When was the last time, if ever... On Christmas morning, you made a big splash. 
you know, with that gift that the family just said, wow, like that's amazing. Was it a vehicle? Was it a beautiful piece of furniture? Was it some jewelry? Was it a trip? Maybe a new pool? Big splashes. I know they're pricey, especially nowadays with inflation where it is, it might be a little trickier for some. But whether it's a big splash with a shiny object or just something really sentimental, those gifts go a long way and are, and are remembered for a long time. There are many big splash items, big and small, at local shops, including Tepperman's. You can check it out in the Ancaster Meadowlands. And the president of Tepperman's, Andrew Tepperman, joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Andrew, good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you? Great, thanks. Good morning. We don't sell cars, but we do sell 82-inch big screen TVs. that will make a splash. <laughs> that certainly will. Is that one of the hot items uh, uh, in the store, in the showroom? It, it's, it's gro- Larger TVs are definitely uh, a new trend, for sure. What are some of those items that, you know, people come into the store for a variety of reasons, whether it's to shop for a new couch or, you know, a love seat, maybe it's an ottoman or a coffee table. What are some of those items that just grab people's attention immediately when they walk into the store? Definitely electronics. That's a big thing. Uh, One of the the newer uh, attention grabbers, we just uh, developed an exclusive partnership with uh, Drew and Jonathan, the Property Brothers. So when you walk in, you immediately see their silhouettes. And the products are very distinct, um, more contemporary, but those definitely will hit you. And are these uh, furniture items? Are they appliances, or is it everything so, under the sun? Yeah, so um, well, the, uh, the, the Property Brothers is definitely furniture. Well, um, i, I got to yeah. check them out. Uh, that that yeah. sounds like a pretty unique item. Yeah, there's also, like, um, it's, it's interesting, too. So uh, preparing for the holidays, some of the products could be, like, dining sets, as people know that, you know, they have guests coming over and family members. And then as they get closer and closer to Christmas and the holidays, then they get into those, um, you know, the electronics, the earbuds, the, the TVs, um, items like that. When it comes to furniture trends, because those change from time to time, and I know there's some people that still have, you know, the 1970s dining room sets with, you know, the plastic <laughs> yeah. on the couches, yeah. uh, and God bless them because my, my grandmother was in there too for a while. What are some of the trendy items that are in the showroom these days? Uh, gaming, that's a new one for us. Foosball tables, air hockey tables, hmm. um, retro appliances. Um, if you check out our website, you'll see some really interesting ones in that in those old like lime green colors. Um, so things things definitely change, but you still have the you know the the good old products like you know you know typical traditional sofas. Um, we have a really large selection of mattresses too, and that that's been a, re- a, a growing trend of change too with all the technology they put in the mattresses. Um, you know in the tempers Tempur-Pedics. Uh, we have an exclusive brand called PolySleep, but it's completely revolutionized how, how sleep works. There's so many great gift items at Tepperman's. You can check them out in the Ancaster Meadowlands. Tepperman's proudly Canadian and family-owned since 1925. A great legacy. And, Andrew, you're continuing on that legacy in style. Appreciate the time today. Best of luck over the holiday season. Thank you. That's Andrew Tepperman, president of Tepperman's. You can also check out the website as well, Tepperman's.com. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We Google things all the time. You know, someone dies, we, we Google their, their name to find out, oh, how old were they? What did they, what did they do in their lifetime? What was their major accomplishment? What's happening in the world? Well, we got to Google. We got to Google it. Um, who, who scored three goals the other night? Well, go to Google. Check it out. 
in the World Cup of Soccer. Who got that hat trick for Portugal the other day? Well, go to Google. Uh, Google has unveiled Canada's top search trends in 2022. And among the top topics, uh, the World Cup is there, Ukraine obviously there, and a number of other items, and we'll get to them all, with Hibak Ali, Google Canada's trends expert, who joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Hibak, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. First and foremost, and I'm always curious about this, how long does it take you to put these lists together? Uh, well, you know, we have our systems that help us generate these lists pretty easily. So it doesn't take us too long, but we like to wait um, until the very last moment to pull the list because, as you know, news is happening all the time. So we want to make sure that we're capturing as much as possible before we share the list for the year. All right. So let's start with the top trending searches in Canada. We have a top 10 list for each category. Will Smith at 10, obviously, you know, the slap heard around the world. Johnny Depp was involved in a uh, court case with his uh, now ex-wife. Knuckle at number eight, Anne Heche, who sadly died this year at seven, Bob Saget at six, and then the top five is really a who's who of the biggest people and things happening in the world. Lay us out the top five of the top trending searches in Canada. Well, I'll start with number one, because I find this one to be the most fascinating. <laughs> um, you know, compared to last year, where a lot of our lists were focused on, of course, COVID-19 and the pandemic, this year, it was very different. So the word for the year was Wordle. The number one top trending search in Canada was a five-letter web-based word game. And what's interesting about that is it's not just Canadians looking for Wordle. It was people around the world. So Wordle made our list for the global number one top trending search term, which is quite fascinating to me. But the other one closely behind it is Ukraine, another really important topic. And what's interesting about this one is never before have we seen one search term across so many different categories. So Canadians were not just searching for Ukraine and the war in Ukraine. They were asking important questions like, why is Russia attacking Ukraine, how to help Ukraine and how to pronounce Kiev. So those were the top two on the list. You mentioned World Cup. That comes in at number three. And then another big one for the world was the passing of Queen Elizabeth. So she came in on this list as well. Of course, head of the royal family, she reigned for more than 70 years and was a constant public figure in society through the decades. So when news of her passing reverberated around the world, we saw Canadians turning to search to learn more about her life and legacy. Betty White came in at uh, number five as well. We should not uh, uh, leave her off the list because she was uh, a huge person in the entertainment world who uh, impacted a lot of people. In terms of the top news-related searches in Canada, Ukraine at number one, again, no surprise. No surprise. Again, we, we've seen people searching for many different things related to Ukraine. So um, and a really important news topic that Canadians were searching for. But we also saw the Rogers outage on this list. So as you'll remember, back in July, when the Rogers network went down, many people searching about that in the days that followed just to understand exactly what had happened. And on the list, we also saw an important health topic Canadians were looking for, monkeypox, another um, new term that entered our lexicon this year that Canadians were trying to understand more about. Um, but one big one that you alluded to earlier um, when you mentioned uh, Chris Rock and Will Smith was the Oscars. Um, so again, we saw a huge spike in the Oscars this year, of course, because of that incident between the two actors. And you know, many people may have list that mo missed that moment live 
alive or were maybe just shocked and confused by what they saw. So we saw Oscars um, spike this year with Canadians turning to search to kind of watch that moment and understand exactly what had happened between the two celebrities. Uh, Freedom Convoy came in at number 10 on the news search list. We're going through Google's top search trends of 2022 with Hibak Ali, Google Canada's trends expert. When it comes to why, again, Ukraine dominated the list. We have Rogers there again. Why did Will slap Chris was another big topic. Was there one on this list that kind of surprised you that it landed here? Um, our why, what, how category always reveals a lot of interesting topics that uh, pervade society most. So one that I found interesting, again, of course, we did see a few questions related to, you know, COVID-19. Um, but, you know, there were new health concerns that were emerging and becoming top of mind for Canadians. So again, I mentioned monkeypox with Canadians asking what is monkeypox? And another one was what is RSV? But uh, a big one that I thought was quite interesting this year was questions around fun and game so, um, of course, we mentioned Wordle. People were asking, what is Wordle? Um, but some other interesting ones on this list is questions like, how to evolve Sharkadet and Cosmog in Pokemon Go and how to respec in Elden Ring. So if you're not in the gaming sphere, this might not make a lot of sense to you. But I thought it was really fascinating because it shows that Canada has a really big gaming culture, whether it's a serious hobby or more of a daily distraction. Canadians are turning to search to help them play. Uh, another how-to that I found, I got a chuckle at least was how to pronounce Cotter because we've heard many different sayings or many different pronunciations. Yeah. Uh, it's a great way to go and, and learn about what's happening in our world and how to say and do things. Go to Google uh, as you normally do and find out what is trending today. Hibak, really thank you for the time. Thanks for uh, putting some analysis to all these lists. Thanks so much for having me. Hibak Ali is Google Canada's trends expert. I'm sure you're Googling something right now. I'm not sure what it is. But uh, rest assured, it might land on next year's list. I did find it quite, I guess amusing would be the word, that Wordle was number one in the top trending searches in Canada. I still Wordle on a daily basis. I do it with my daughter. My son, eh, now and again, I know other people still do. Knuckle at number eight is basically the Canadian knockoff of Wordle. And I got to play that, and it was it was quite amusing. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. It is the time of the season where we flick on the TV and watch Christmas classics. If you're lucky enough, you can go to a live presentation of a Christmas play, a production. You have an opportunity to do so tonight, in fact, at Branford Sanderson Center because the award-winning duo of James and Jamesy are bringing Oh Christmas Tea, a British comedy, to the stage. They're actually going to be in St. Catharines as well in a couple of weeks' time. You can get your tickets at Oh Christmas Tea, that's T-E-A, dot com. Joining us now to talk about it are the two fellows who are in this production, Aaron Malkin and Alistair Knowles, actors in Oh Christmas Tea. Aaron, Alistair, welcome to Good Morning Hamilton. How are you? Great. Thanks for having us on. Totally. Aaron, let's start with you. What is Oh Christmas Tea, a British comedy, all about? It's uh, <laughs> it's uh, often compared to classic British pantos. It's a play that... Uh, is kind of unlike plays that people are used to. The audience has opportunities to join in the creation of the show as it unravels on the stage. In fact, the action on the stage spills out from the stage into the audience, and we're all immersed in this uh, in this fantastical world 
of O Christmas Tea. So, Alistair, is this like uh, an improv kind of bit as well? Um, no, it's structured. There's imp- improvised elements. Um, but the show really is about celebrating friendship and imagination. So James and Jamesy pit, uh, are pitted against each other. James understands the theatrical context of the theater. And Jamesy lives in the world of the imagination, believing that what's happening on stage is real. And so the challenge for us as performers and the structure of the show supports it is, is we get to invite and challenge the audience to join us in this world of the imagination. And as more and more people join us, uh, some physically on stage, uh, others from their seats, that's where the improvised elements come to life Hmm. because we don't know what the audience is going to do every time. And that's, actually part of what keeps the show so fun for us as performers to do and aaron i would imagine that every show is a little bit different oh yeah uh it keeps us on our toes uh yesterday we so we're about um three weeks into our 42 show tour this year uh we've been working on the show since 2015 um and developing it and doing it to more and more cities larger and larger theaters every year this last night in markham was the first night that certain things happened that really threw us off guard. And it was, Aaron got tackled by an audience member on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, in good fun, of course. Yeah. Um, but we were uh, just wonderfully surprised by their uh, <laughs> the liberties that the audience took last <laughs> night. They really felt uh, a degree of permission uh, in the show that uh, that we really aspire to, you know, for the audience to step into new versions of themselves and and to leave with this elated spirit of like, wow, I don't know who I am. This is a new me, and I love it. It's, right. it's kind of part of the dream. That's, that's the dream. Whether we succeed every time, you know, is questionable. I think we have kind of lofty goals of getting adult audiences to play with us. And that that challenge of embracing imagination and play is something that is is a hurdle to overcome for some. You know, we can, uh, we were talking to, couple audience members the other day who were saying you know when we started watching the show we thought wait what is this about what are we in for and then as the show progresses they found themselves more and more invested to the point where they were fully committed and and they were there with us uh and and playing this structure of make-believe as james and james we have tea and then tea floods the world and then we pulled in together nautical epics mm-hmm. like Jaws and Waterworld and the Titanic into this sort of aquatic Christmas celebration. Wow, it sounds like a barn burner of a show. Aaron Malkin and Alistair Knowles, two actors in Oh Christmas Tea. You can get your tickets now at Oh Christmas Tea. That's T E A dot com. They're playing tonight at Branford Sanderson Center. Guys, thanks for the time today. Uh, break a leg tonight. Thanks, thanks so, so much. much. Aaron and Alistair, that sounds like a really intriguing show. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.